What's up, guys? Brett Apple here from DailyFanMMA.com, back with another UFC Quick Picks on the Mayo Media Network. We have UFC Vegas 45 this weekend. Chris Doggis versus Derek Lewis in the main event. Before I get into my picks, just wanted to say thank you, uh, everyone, for all the support this year. I've really felt the love. Thank you to Pat and the team for having me on the channel, uh, editing the videos every week. I really appreciate it. And... You know, wish you guys the best uh, for the rest of the year. Have a very happy holiday season, and hopefully we'll see you once again um, next year, 2022. So without further ado, going to give you my favorite cash game play, tournament play, salary play, and my fade of the week for this event. Going to talk about a few different fighters in the top end specifically, and before I get into them, make sure you subscribe to the channel, like the video, and let me know, just let me know whether I'm right or wrong. Comment below whether you think uh, my picks are accurate, inaccurate in this top range. I think it's really tricky to analyze this week, so very curious to hear what you guys have to say. All right, let's get into this. My cash game play of the week is going to be Honey Barcelos at 9.3K. All right, for cash games this week, I'm rolling with Honey Barcelos at 9.3K, and I don't think this is like... Um, you know, last week I didn't actually give out Amanda Nunes as, as the cash game play of the week, but I, you know, I thought that was so obvious and uh, there was only one standout option in this range. I don't feel the same way this week. Lemos is interesting, Tafa is interesting, Barcelos is interesting, and there's a few other fighters with upside, so you don't have to play Barcelos. To me, he's the safest fighter on the board. I think he has upside, which we'll talk about in this matchup against Victor Henry, who's making his UFC debut here on relative short notice. Barcelos is minus 350 to win, so he is one of the biggest favorites on the card. And I really respect the talent of Barcelos more than anything else. There are some other favorable matchups um, in this top range, but Barcelos is a dynamic striker, a very strong wrestler, and a very, very strong submission grappler as well. He's averaging 5.39 significant strikes per minute, averaging 1.79 takedowns per 15 minutes. He has knockout upside. He has submission upside just across the board. Um, one of my problems with him is that he doesn't always use his wrestling as aggressively as he should, which is sometimes his best path to victory. But like I said, his he's a dynamic striker as well, so he is willing to stand and bang, and that can kind of um, you know, put a cap on his DraftKings ceilings at times. Now, in this particular matchup against Henry, I do expect him to grapple because Henry isn't very strong anywhere. He has a decent submission game, but he is very, very weak as a defensive wrestler. And even in recent years on the regional scene, you're seeing him taken down, mounted, his back taken. He's actually never been finished in 26 pro fights, so that's another little bit of a concern of mine when targeting Barcelos on DraftKings. But ultimately, I think Barcelos has a path to victory here on the feet, and I think he has a legitimate path to victory on the ground, landing takedowns, earning control, uh, ground and pound, and he has some submission potential. He's actually plus 137 inside the distance, which is good. Not amazing, but pretty good um, for the price, and it does indicate that he has you know some finishing equity at least. Again, this is cash game, so I do think Barcelos has a high ceiling. Wouldn't be shocked to see him score more than 100 points, but I think he's relatively safe to win. He has advantages over Henry pretty much everywhere, mixing in some takedowns, hopefully, which gives him a pretty high floor. 
Barcelos is going to be my cash game play of the week at 9.3K. All right, moving on to tournaments. My favorite tournament play from this top end is going to be Justin Taffa taking on Harry Hunsucker. And let me tell you, never trust a fighter with the last name Sucker. It just doesn't work out. Uh, <laughs> Hunsucker is 0-2 in the UFC. He's been knocked out both times in the first round. And this is tough because Justin Taffa, I don't think he's a great talent particularly, but he's got some boxing in his arsenal. He's minus 320 in this matchup, and he's at least gone the distance the past couple of fights, though he did lose both, but he landed 74 and 86 significant strikes in those matchups. The fight prior, he won by knockout in the first round. The thing is, Hunsucker... I don't believe has ever been out of the first round in his entire professional career. And I'm going to try and pull up his uh, professional record just to double check that. Because he is 7-4 and four professionally. 0-2 um, in the UFC. With 7, sorry, 5 wins coming by submission, 2 wins coming by knockout, 2 losses by knockout, 2 losses by submission. And yeah, um, in his amateur career, he's been out of the first one, first round. But in his professional career, every single fight has ended in the first round. And not only that, it just it doesn't look like he's willing to extend fights for very long. There's a level of like quit that fighters have where they're willing to fight through adversity. And you got fighters. Um, on the top end, like Justin Gaethje, who doesn't matter if he's like almost unconscious, he'll keep marching forward, keep firing strikes. And I wouldn't say Hunsucker's on the bottom end, but he doesn't like getting hit. He'll cover up, he'll quit. And it's just hard for me to believe that he's going to make it very long in this fight if he's not just winning instantly. I do actually believe he has early knockout upside. I do believe he has early submission upside, but we haven't really seen him wrestle in the UFC. And ultimately, he's going to get hit. He's going to get hit in this matchup. Toffa's a big power striker, and Hunsucker has never been out of round one. There's no reason for me to believe he's going to make it three rounds in this matchup. So I think Justin Toffa has the most knockout upside on this slate, and I'm, I think he's going to get some love, but he's lost three of his four fights in the UFC, so I'm not certain that he's going to be extremely popular on this slate. He's minus 180 inside the distance, which is fantastic and by far the best line on this slate. So to me, Toffa rates out among the very, very best tournament options on this slate. He's not safe in the sense that he's a great talent. He's boomer bust in the sense that if the fight does go 15 minutes, even though I'd pick him to win, I wouldn't expect him to end up on the optimal lineup. But the bottom line is he is very, very likely to win this fight by first round knockout if he wins at all. Uh, the inside distance line backs it up. And at 9.4K, based on the strength of this range, which isn't as good as we've seen in recent weeks, I'm certainly willing to make a play on Taffa. He's going to be my tournament play of the week. All right, moving on to my salary play of the week. I So I'm going to give out Jordan Levitt at 8.2K. Usually I give out a cheap fighter, but to be quite honest, I there, there's just, there's no, there's no one that, I feel there's no one that I feel comfortable giving out. 
I think most fighters below the mid-range have a have a path to victory, but we're talking about really low-level talents, Parisian, Gatto, Elkins, Ewell, Stoltzfus. It's I'm going to be spreading out my exposure. So my salary play of the week this week is going to be Jordan Levitt. It falls into a tournament play of the week category as well because he's cheap. He's a, a mid-range fighter, isn't going to need 120 points to end up on the optimal lineup, and it's a risky play. Um, Levitt's only minus 120 to win against Matt Sales, and he's coming off a really ugly loss to Claudio Puelas in which he had some success early in the fight, landed a couple takedowns, but then Puelas landed four takedowns, lay controlled him on the ground, and Levitt was just kind of willing to lay on his back and, and do nothing and give up the fight, so he's he's not a great talent. But what I like, and I've referenced this many times throughout these videos, this feels like a very binary matchup where Levitt is a stronger grappler than Sales, and Sales should have the advantages on the feet. And Sales hasn't fought since December of 2019. It's a two-year layoff. He was submitted in the first round by Bryce Mitchell in that fight. He was outgrappled by Kyle Nelson in the fight prior to that, even though he ended up winning. Jordan Levitt is doesn't really have a range striking game. And so for Levitt to win, it's going to come from takedowns, it's going to come from control, and it's probably going to come from a submission. And considering he's minus 120 to win, plus 155 inside the distance, and if his wrestling grappling works at all, it probably happens quickly. So that tells me Levitt has a very realistic chance to win this fight inside the distance early. At 8.2K, if people are going to be afraid of targeting Levitt because he's not very good, which is fair, I'm going to look to be overweight to the field because we know how well grapplers score on DraftKings, and it's a good matchup where he should have advantages, and he has good metrics. So I think Levitt has a very high ceiling at 8.2K, especially compared to what his ownership should be. I'm very willing to play him at this price. Sales at 8K is also viable in the matchup because if the fight plays out on the feet, he should have striking advantages decent inside distance line of plus 255. I'm just a little bit more concerned that the fight looks sloppy and Levitt's like flopping to his back and things like that. So I feel much more comfortable with Levitt in this matchup. He's going to be my salary play of the week. All right, my fade of the week. The, uh, I'm rolling out an interesting one here. I, you know, I could give you someone who's very unlikely to win, but I like a challenge. This may surprise you. I think Ricky, this is a terrible matchup for Ricky Simone. And at 9.2K, I am just not willing to play him. Um, and that's shocking because I've been on Simone in pretty much all of his fights in the UFC because he lands so many takedowns per 15 minutes. He's averaging 6.93 takedowns per 15 minutes. That's so impressive. And when you can land six, seven, seven, six takedowns, your DraftKings scores just have an incredibly high ceiling. And so when he wins, he's scoring 98, 131, 107. And some of these aren't even wins inside the distance. But a Sun Sao is a terrible matchup for more than one reason. The main reason being that he's a very strong grappler. He defends takedowns at 80%. He's a better submission grappler than Ricky Simone. Yes, could Simone theoretically still land six or seven takedowns. I think it's possible, but a Sun Tzu has never given up three takedowns or more in his entire career, dating back to 2009. No one has done it. There's been three times where he's given up two takedowns, 
never given up three, never given up four, never given up five, six, or seven. So for me to uh, just assume that Ricky Simone is going to come in here and land seven takedowns, I think is a bit unrealistic and a bit unfair. And the way that I analyze fights, it just puts me off of Simone completely. The other aspect is a Sun Sao tends to slow the pace down of fights tremendously. So even if Simone is landing a takedown here or there, he's having success on the feet. There, there's just no guarantee that he has a massive ceiling. Even though a Sun Tzu is coming off a knockout loss to Cody Garbrandt, a highlight reel knockout loss, Garbrandt landed 19 strikes in 10 minutes of action in that fight. So yes, he still won by knockout, but what was that? 70, 80, 85 points at most? Um, that's not going to do it at 9.2K. So we're, we're really counting on either Simone to break this historical trend for Sun Tzu and just land a million takedowns. He's not going to be able to do anything with them on the ground, but sure, maybe he can just pick a Sun Tzu up and dump him to the ground over and over again. It's possible. He has upside. You can play him if you want. I'm going to be off him personally. The, the other, the other you know, path to victory is a, a knockout for Simone, an early knockout, but again, a Sun Tzu's absorbing 2.3 strikes per minute, 68% defense, and I'm not even certain that uh, Simone's more durable than a Sun Sal because a Sun Sal's been hurt recently. Simone's been hurt many times in his career. This is a really tough matchup for Simone to excel on DraftKings, especially at this price and especially if he's popular. So I'm going against the grain here. And I'm going to say that Ricky Simone will not make my short list of fighters to play on this slate with a limited number of lineups, he is going to be my fade of the week. All right, guys, that's going to do it for the final quick picks of the 2021 season. Thank you again for the support. Follow me on Twitter, Brett Apley, double T, double P, dailyfanmma.com for all your DraftKings breakdowns needs. Best of luck in the contest this week. Stay safe out there. Have a great holiday season. We'll talk to you all soon. Bye, everybody.